Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations. Coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a special edition of The Grind. And when I say special, I mean special. You know what I mean? Special. When it comes to Chad and I, Everything is special, but this is really, really special. special. So, uh, Chad, do you feel special today? I feel very special. <laughs> very special. <laughs> All right. We, uh, Chad and I, are road weary and worn, but uh, not disheartened. Uh, we, we had a great trip to Exponential Conference in Orlando, Florida. And uh, for, for those of you guys who do not know what Exponential Conference is, it is a, as far as I know, the largest collection and gathering of church planners uh, in North America. Uh, everybody <clears throat> that has anything to do with church planting across denominations, uh, it seems, gathers at this event. And uh, about 5,000 people yeah. there. I think yeah. is what they estimated, and uh, that may have been ministerially speaking, but uh, <laughs> in a sanctuary at First Baptist Orlando that seats eighty-five thousand, yeah, yeah, it to a hundred thousand, like <laughs> something like that. You know, it was full, it was and pretty so full, yeah. uh, uh, we spent most of our time in the balcony, and the balcony was full from front to back, mm. uh, end to end. So, uh, so a large gathering of church planters and church planting minded people mm-hmm. and entities you know yeah. sending entities yeah. planting into in, entities yeah every church planting network you can imagine yeah. uh, I, I can't remember seeing that variety of church planting practitioners anywhere yeah I yeah could be wrong but yeah I mean it was incredible yeah and it's you know the and that's one of the great things about it but it's also one of the challenging things when you're trying to pick breakouts and and uh, guys to go here, there's just so many people you don't know. And uh, sometimes you hit a, a home run with a breakout, and sometimes you hit a dud, uh, a little roller right in front of home plate. <laughs> and get you thrown out at first, ladies and gentlemen, if you for, know what I'm talking for about. For as many profound and helpful things as there were, <laughs> yeah. there were also some that were not as profound and not as helpful. <laughs> yeah. And it might be being nice. I think I took two really good naps a couple yeah. of the afternoons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, we were kind of sleep deprived. You guys, you guys actually got in Sunday night at like. Oh, by the time we got to the hotel, it was three thirty in the morning. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, it was it was a tough trip. And you had preached twice that Sunday yes. and, and driven five hours, you know, total. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we started the week off really great. Yeah, yeah. I was up uh, a total of twenty four hours uh, straight and uh, got three hours sleep and then went another you know, about 18 hours uh, before we got to bed again. So that first first half of the trip was uh, <laughs> that was a I little fuzzy. I don't remember a lot. From fuzzy, that. a little foggy, yeah. yeah. So, uh, uh, but uh, we had a great time. It was uh, great. Arkansas was well represented. There were a lot of Arkansas planters there, and uh, we got to connect with and hook up with and hang out with while we were there. And uh, uh, so uh, just had a great time. So what we thought we'd do today is kind of unpack some highlights from what we experienced and, and what we heard and some of the things that that 
that we heard and have kind of processed since we've been back, you're going to be hearing and interacting with over the next coming months um, with some multi-site conversations and connections there with some one-day events. Uh, I have some guys we're hoping to bring in for some one-day events we got connected with at Exponential, uh, as well as some future podcast interviews with some guys. And yeah, we got some really great interviews while we were down there. Yeah, too. yeah. Our, our intention was to, <laughs> to do some podcast interviews down yeah. there. And Chad, what where happened, was the Dave? podcast equipment? What happened, Dave? Where was the podcast well, equipment? That's what I'm asking you. <laughs> the podcast equipment was left in the back of my truck, Chad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was in. Uh, I had I had come home from preaching twice that morning and being up at five o'clock that morning, and packing my suitcase. And my wife took me to the airport, and I left the podcasting equipment in my truck. So, so, so instead of profound, you know, church planting practitioners, instead of getting them like firsthand. You're getting us talking about what they talked about. <laughs> That's right. Second, is, second and third hand. Sloppy so, seconds. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, you guys ought to be used to this kind of professionalism that's, that's, by now. And, uh, we do what we can to deliver, Dave. <laughs> that's right. Every that's time. right. We strive for mediocrity and hit it every time. <laughs> that's so, right. So, uh, right. so anyway, but did have a great time. So we're going to kind of talk through some of the things we heard in in the two pre conferences that Chad and I went to. Uh, then hit some highlights from some of the main sessions, and then uh, some from some of the breakouts, and, uh, and then we'll do a little wrap up. And so, Chad, won't you kick off with your pre-conference highlights? Yeah, I went to the multiplication pre-conference, which was about eight hours. So it was four hours one day, four hours the next day. And I would, this was probably the best for me. I mean, the main sessions were good. The breakouts were good. This was a home run for me personally. Uh, the, the, the theme of the conference was big dreams, you know, finding that big dream that God's called you to. Um, and so that that's you know, the, as far as what helped kind of me think through that the most was this pre-conference session, which was on multiplication. And really it was on how to how to start a movement. It was the 100 Movements Group, which is Alan Hirsch, Jamie Crookshank, is it? Is that what Jesse you said? Crookshank. Jesse. Why do I say Jamie? Jesse Crookshank. Um, and it was Neil Cole, guys like that. Yeah. And, uh, and so they really talked about how do you start a movement and so that's that's what I really got got a lot from. Uh, here, here's a few things. This is from Alan Hirsch's book, The Forgotten Ways. But he he talked a little bit about it that every person has the movement inside of them. Every apple contains the orchard. You know, everything needed for the orchard is found in the apple. And so everybody has the movement in in them. Uh, there were 25,000 believers in 100 AD, and 25 million believers 200 years later in 300 AD. Yeah. And so why is that? Well, it's because they had a movement, right? They did it without the Bible. They did it without buildings. He references China, how they went from 20 million Christians to 120 million Christians in 60 years with zero professional missionaries, because they had all been kicked out of the country. So, wow. talked about that. Just just how do we get to that multiplication and that movement play? He said most churches, in fact, 80% of churches are are a level one to two church, which means they're just surviving or they're subtracting. So one is kind of a subtracting church where you're losing people. Two is like a surviving church. 80% of the churches are in that area, and their main emphasis is please stay. 
(laughs) And then as you get to two to three level churches, these are about 16% of churches who are growing. And their main thing uh, that they would say is, please come. (laughs) And then you've got, you know, four or five level churches, which are reproducing churches, which is only 6% of churches. Wow. Uh, and their motto is please go. So you've got the, the please stay, the please come, and the please go. Uh, and, and man, Neil Cole said something that was really profound. He said, addition principles do not apply to multiplication. So what gets you from subtraction to addition, those principles will not get you from addition to multiplication. Mm. Just a fascinating thought that you know, that it, it could actually hurt you <laughs> to grow because you'll never reproduce because right. uh, the principles aren't the same. So anyway, just really, 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 really insightful, really good. Uh, a couple other things uh, I'll mention. He said, without becoming a movement, we die. Don't plant a church, plant a movement. Don't plant a church, plant the gospel. Don't plant a church, plant Jesus. Uh, he said, Jesus never once, the Bible never once told us to plant churches. Jesus says, I will build my church. Your role is to make disciples. So I thought that was really good because I, you know, we talk about church planting all the time, but Jesus never once told us to plant a church. Right. He told us to make disciples. Right. And out of those disciples come churches. Uh, so I thought that was really good. Um, when it comes to multiplication, of, especially of disciples, he, he said, Neil Cole said, the importance is that we plug them into Jesus, not into us. Because if you make a, a copy of yourself, <laughs> then every copy made after that is a bad copy. You ever seen you know? the movie Multiplication? Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. With Michael Keaton? Yes. But if we, you know, if you, you take a photocopy of a photocopy, it gets worse and worse the more you copy it. Mm-hmm. He's like, if we're making disciples of ourselves... That's what happens. So he says you got to plug them into Jesus where they're actually becoming a disciple of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think he said that there's like a principle of the depreciating disciple or something like that. Where, But when Jesus told the Pharisees, you'll go halfway around the world to make a disciple. And once you get there, you make them twice as much a son of hell as yourself. Yeah. And so basically he says if we try to make disciples of ourselves— the disciple will be twice as bad as a disciple as we are and on down the line. Yeah. So the importance of making disciples of Jesus, plugging people into Jesus. And uh, he said, you know, you're part of a movement. You start a movement. You have to be comfortable with nobody knowing your name. Yeah. With you not being on some platform, telling about how amazing it was, maybe never writing a book about it. Yeah. Movements and people who are involved in movements – they eventually get away from the person who started them. Right. And so I thought that was really, really good. So that that's it. So I hope I hope that's helpful <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. put in a way that people understand it. But. Yeah. Well, and we're hoping uh, to try and get Neil Cole to Arkansas at some point uh, for a one-day event. He, he's just an interesting guy, a brilliant guy. It seemed like I heard him say before they, when they started these awakening chapels, which yeah. is his kind of um, – uh, you know, missional communities kind of movement group. Uh, they got up over 400 and stopped counting. Yeah. And he said, by far, the vast majority of those groups had nothing to do with him. Right. And he said they'd multiplied so far beyond him. So many of those folks didn't even know, you know, that he started yeah. that whole thing. And well, uh, well, I've been reading Organic Church, yeah. so I've, I'm. I've got two chapters left. I've read it in two days because yeah. he was so interesting to me at this conference. Yeah. Everything he said 
was a tweet. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So I found him really interesting. And he said that in the book that eventually there was a, a house church that associated with their movement down the street from his house that he did not know. Yeah. And it was actually a guy who was in their movement who said, oh, you know, we're, who are you guys? Who are you guys with? They, he saw him carrying a bunch of guitars into the house. Yeah. And he said, oh, we're with so-and-so. Or we were at this, you know, the Awakening Chapel. And he's like, well, me too. I didn't even know you were. And so he tells Neil about it. Neil had no idea they were right down from his house. <laughs> yeah. So it had gotten so, quote-unquote, out of hand in a good way. Yeah, yeah. That there was one down the street from his house, and he didn't, he didn't even, even know, know it. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, and that's, you know just goes to show the exponential impact of yep. something like that if yep. we can if we can do it and yeah. uh but you know to do something like that we've got to step away from something else and that's always the challenge what you know in in particularly in our established church settings what do we stop doing to do that and you gotta uh, stop you gotta stop adding yeah and yeah. that's the scary thing it is how do you stop adding and yeah. growing yeah. in order to multiply yeah because it's very hard to control that kind of movement. And I asked him, I said, well, and that's the thing for our tribe, right. control. Right. We are centralized. We yeah. want to control it. If we're going to have a movement, not just be a tribe, we got to let go of that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Super helpful. Well, our uh, the pre-conference I went to was a, a pre-conference on multi-site with Jim Tomberlin and Wade Burnett. Uh, Jim Tomberlin is kind of the the grand poobah of all things multi-site and Wade Burnett is kind of his protege that's coming on. They run multi-site solutions and uh, Jim is uh, moving toward retirement and will be passing that off to Wade and uh, uh, met Wade uh, about two years ago at a a centralized conference and some some mutual friends introduced us, a really sharp guy. And so really went to the multi-site conference to hear from Wade and talk with Wade. And uh, Wade's flight was canceled because uh, of bad weather. And so he had kind of a similar trip that we did. Uh, he finally got there on Monday night about 3 o'clock in the morning, mm. <clears throat> got about three hours sleep, and then he did his part of the pre-conference on Tuesday. So uh, – and, and what Jim did on Monday was fine, but it was a very introductory uh, overview of what multi-site is. Uh, that was a little bit frustrating for, I think, most people in the room because we were in that pre-conference because we knew what multi-site was. Uh, you didn't have to convince us of that. Yeah. We just wanted to know, okay, let's dialogue and figure out how to do that well and do that better. That, that was probably my criticism of the breakouts. They were yeah. all introductory right. in nature. Right. And, and if you knew the introductory – yeah, you found you were a little bored with it, right. to be honest. Exactly, because it was like I'm ready for level two, level three, or or whatever. Yeah, you know, two two hundred one and three hundred one, not yeah. just you yeah. know all of this one hundred one. Yeah, and that's one of the challenges to a broad church planning conference yeah. like this right. is is you never know who's in the room, <clears throat> uh, and so you you don't want to make assumptions, but. Uh, I think some strategically asked questions on the front end would give you a picture of who is in the room and then you could tailor from there. Because most of these guys who are leading these breakouts are, are really good at what they do. Absolutely. And they know what they're doing uh, in their context. And so uh, so they can adjust you know, on the fly yeah. pretty well, yeah. you know, most of these guys. And so, well, that, that's a good principle just when you're doing a training – 
Yeah. You got to know who's in the room. Exactly. And, exactly. And that, you know, asking a few questions, that's a good principle. You dropped, you dropped a little gold on yeah. us there, Dave. Well, I heard Leonard Sweet say, time, say one time, it, it's not – what you're going to say is not as important as who you're going to say it to. Oh, wow. And, and knowing what you're going to say is not as important as knowing who, who it is that's listening, you know, who's mm-hmm. in the audience. So he says you need to know who you're speaking to before you speak yeah. and, uh, and then tailor accordingly. <clears throat> and so uh, I think that would have been helpful for, for some of those pre-conferences. And uh, so the first day was kind of a, I, I mean, it was good information, but it's all information we'd heard before. Uh, when Wade got up on Tuesday, this is when it really kind of took off, and, and you could tell people were energized uh, because they were finally getting to ask some pointed questions and some very helpful questions. And Wade is talking about uh, kind of a shift in the multi-site conversation from an old model to the new model. And the new model is radical, what he calls radical multi-site. Hmm. Uh, going multi-site with uh, micro-churches. Uh, two, two primary things that came out of this that I thought were really interesting. The average size of a church that goes multi-site uh, in the past has been 1,000 in average worship attendance. Uh, he said, we've seen that drop significantly hmm. to around 500. We have several churches that we work with that are in the 500 range that are going multi-site. He said, he said and we have some, uh, particularly church planners, who are in the 200 uh, size range that are doing micro-sites and multiplying like rabbits wow. all over the place. He mm. said, so the multi-site conversation is shifting. And he said, this is the huh. new trend in multi-site to, to go away from a, uh, another large launch, similar type campus to a more micro model that's, that is for not just to, to put more people in a building, but to reach into segments of the population that they've not, that a church has not touched before. So, uh, so the micro site is more, it's not just expanding the church. It is doing that and the influence of the church, but it's trying to, to, uh, engage segments of the population community where the church is and groups of people that would never come to that main campus to begin with. Yes. And, and so they're typically much smaller. They're typically much more organic. And, uh, that, that whole conversation was, was fascinating. And uh, we're going to be, be having more of that conversation in the future. Uh, Wade and I got a chance to talk after the pre-conference a good little bit. And we've got a video conference call set up with him. Going to try and get him on the podcast to talk about, uh, the microsite stuff and and just really you're really interested in that uh, you you can can reach more people better faster cheaper uh, than buy more land building bigger buildings and uh, and multiply quicker that way and so uh, really anxious to, to dive into that a little bit more uh, as well but you can check out multi-site solutions uh, Wade has some uh, information some articles up there on the micro site thing we have a couple of churches uh, that we're going to try some of this with and uh, one of the guys uh, from Arkansas who's ex- ex- exponential with us um, is uh, just just got lit on fire by that and is going to be trying some of that stuff in one of our communities so stay tuned for that yeah uh, but uh, but pretty good pretty good stuff there that's really neat 
<clears throat> and we had several other guys that went to other breakouts, but those are the ones that Chad and I went to. And, and you'll probably be seeing some articles and some different things coming up, some postings about some of the information that we, we learned throughout the whole conference across the team that, <clears throat> that went with us down to, to Orlando. So, uh, so stay tuned for that. So that was kind of our pre-conference uh, sessions. And then we wanted to kind of give you some highlights of some of the main sessions. And, and in the main sessions, there was everybody from Matt Chandler to Louis Giglio to Dave Ferguson to Ed Stetzer, Francis Chan, uh, and then some, some other names that I didn't know that really were captivating. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a guy from uh, Kenya, yep. I believe it was, mm -hmm. Marithe Mwanje uh, or, yeah, some, or something, some, like something like that. Something similar like that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm – but if you ever listen to this podcast, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, so sorry for yeah. butchering your name. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but uh, he was fascinating, he was. and uh, what they've done in Kenya and how uh, their churches expand and spread in Kenya. Uh, but uh, a lot of a lot of different speakers there, and, and there were several guys that that said some great things. Uh, and Chad and I both have some you know different highlights out of the main sessions. Um, but uh, out of all the guys that spoke, Chandler was great. Uh, you know, Marithe was you know great. Um, the two that really captured my attention were, um, oh my goodness, I just forgot her name. The, Jody. Jody Hickerson. Yeah. Uh, she kind of emceed part of the the sessions, and D. A. Horton, who was supposed to speak on Thursday morning, had a family emergency come up and had to cancel. Could not speak. And so Dave Ferguson asked Jody Hickerson to speak. At 6 a.m. At 6 a.m. And she got <laughs> up about 9 a.m. and just absolutely killed it. Yeah. Uh, just talking about how the gospel is for everyone and how it transforms and gives life to people who are broken. She told stories uh, about a guy who was kind of the porn king of, uh, of California who gave his life to Jesus and, and just this radical transformation. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, prostitutes and and all the people on the margins that their church is engaging with, and uh, I, I mean, just just story after story after story, and uh, just just incredible. You talk about a tough spot. You know, finding out at six o'clock in the morning you're about to speak to five thousand people three hours later, and and I'm telling you, it was it was incredible. I was blown away uh, by her. Yeah, I was too. She was great. She was great, and uh, and then Francis Chan. Well, press pause on Chan. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna both talk on that one because Chan's my Chan's my uh, <laughs> yeah. my my also. Yeah, my other one though was Will Mancini. Yeah, and and he he probably was the shortest. Yeah. main session yeah. talk of all of them but but he i i just can't get this out of my head he said it's not so much barriers that keep us from our goal but a clearer path to a lesser goal yeah man i just i cannot get away from that yeah. uh i think in the pre-conference somebody said something similar they said we have greatly underestimated people's preference for the mediocre <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah. and and some of yeah. you who are listening to this podcast right yeah yeah <laughs> preference yeah, yeah, for the yeah. Mediocre. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you found your way to the kings <laughs> yeah, of mediocre right. <laughs> We excel at the mediocre. Yeah, if you if have settled for something good when you could have had something better. If there's anything Sorry. we're not mediocre at, it's being mediocre. Yeah, so, that's right. Uh, but, but I, man, I just thought that that is it. We take the path of least resistance so often. Yeah. 
not not because of all these barriers, but just it's just easier to take the shortcut. Yeah. And so I think that kind of challenged me to say, you know, where in my ministry, where in my organization, where where in the the people that I'm leading, am I taking clear paths to lesser goals? Yeah. You know, and kind of maybe taking a shortcut or either pulling the plug when I really just need to kind of bear down and kind of stick my head down and kind of roll with it. Some. Yeah. So anyway, that, that, that to me really, really stuck. And, uh, it was well, really good. and here's another thing Mancini said that, that I highlighted as well. He said the two most important dates of your life are when you were born and the date that you figure out why. Wow. And, uh, I've been chewing on that, uh, for a little while. You know, we do a lot of, uh, personality profiles and strength finders and you know, really trying to help guys figure out how God has wired them, how, how he's equipped them and shaped them for ministry and particularly in church planning. And we're, we're getting ready to do some training uh, as you know, later after recording this podcast with some guys. And part of that training will be helping them dive into their calling, yeah. uh, you know, really to ask the question, okay, why are you here? Mm-hmm. Uh, why are you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. and, and, and some of it is, okay, why are you doing this again? Right. And some of it is, do you know why you're here? Do you know why you're doing it? And, and, uh, and, and I tell you, I, I just, I've thought about that the whole day. Uh, and, you know, and, and several, you know, all the guys that, you know, kind of talked, you know, they, they kind of emphasized you know, living their dream rather than somebody else's dream. Mm. And you're miserable when you're living somebody else's dream and you you love life when you're living your own. Yeah. And, um, and I tell you, when I made the shift to do church planting, um, you know, eight, nine, almost nine years ago, when we helped plant city church, uh, that was one of those, I woke up and realized, okay, here's what I'm supposed to do. Mm. And, and it was so liberating. It's been the most challenging and difficult ministry I've done. But, but you know at the end of the day, this is what God made me for. Yeah. And, and so what shape that will take in the future, I don't know. But it's going to mm. be along these lines in some way. Yeah, I forgot who said it, but somebody said, if you're so busy living somebody else's dream, who's living yours? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I thought, Wow. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. a powerful thought to think that if you're living somebody else's dream, nobody's living yours. Yeah, like nobody. You're not being. You know, sometimes we're so focused on being a good somebody else, we're yeah. not being the best us we can be. And I, yeah. I know it sounds a little man-centered or me-centered, <laughs> yeah. but it's obviously Jesus in us right, is what I right. mean. But man, there's just there's an you know it's Paul telling Timothy fulfill your ministry, yeah. your ministry, yeah, not anybody else's. Yeah, we had Tim and Greg and I met with a, a guy named Nick Burleson, and you'll be hearing more from Nick in the future. He's a uh, collegiate-focused church planner in Texas and uh, down in Stevensville with Tarleton uh, University. And he was talking about the challenges of, of having a, a church field. They run about 1,200, and five to 600 of those are college students. Mm. So this is the time of year where those five to 600 leave, yeah. <laughs> you know, vast majority of them. And he said, he said, you never have enough money. You never have enough leaders. And he said they're, when they're, those times come where we're tired and we're asking ourselves, why do we do this? 
we'll, we'll see all these college students that were getting ready to graduate out and they're headed to careers all over the country, all over the world, and we've had four years with them that we can pour into them and equip them. And he said, we're sending out people who are literally going to change the world everywhere they go. Mm. And, and he said, so it turns into why do we keep doing this to we get to do this. God gets to use us to raise up kind of the next generation of leaders yeah. for the church, leading missionaries, leading church planners, leading yeah. business people. and and That's uh, that movement mindset. Yeah. That's that yeah. multiplication mindset. Yeah. That at the end of the day, yeah. they may send all of their church out. Yeah. But what about the impact they've had? Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. So. And, and you could hear yeah. his dream coming out there. He is doing exactly what God's wow. wired him to do and what he, what he loves to do in his yeah. family. Uh, w- one other statement before we get to Francis Chan, uh, Louis Giglio made, and I think all of us kind of tweeted out and Facebooked yeah. this statement. Uh, but he said... Or uh, said it in a sermon last Sunday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that we, was me. Most of us have probably used this in a sermon because it, uh, 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 it was great. And I'm not a huge Louis Giglio fan. I'll just confess that right up front. He's just never been my cup of tea. Blasphemy. But he was good. He was good at Exponential. And yeah, this is what good. he said that really captured us. He said, sometimes big dreams annoy some people, but they also attract the right people. Mm-hmm. And... And he's dead right, but here here's my qualifying question on that. <laughs> and uh, I think he's I think he's dead right. But then we have to ask, okay, if it annoys some people, is it because of us or because of the bigness of our dream? Mm. Uh, is it, are did we our, just are we just annoying? That's right. <laughs> did the did the dream originate with us, or yeah. is this something bigger than right. us right. that God is calling some people to that's annoying them and messing up their world? Yeah. And I think that's a very important question to ask because I see people you know make this statement all the time. Well, God can do anything, and I serve a big God, and and, and He fulfills big dreams. I'm like, yeah, if they're God dreams, mm. if they originated with Him. And so if they originated with him, sure, some people are going to be annoyed, yeah. but some people are going to be excited about right. that. But if they don't originate with him mm-hmm. and some people are annoyed, guess what? It's <laughs> you. It's you, bro. What's <laughs> and, the common uh, denominator? Yeah. And so... Uh, well, that's a perfect segue into Chan for me. It if is. You, if you want to go there. Yes, let's go there. All right. Because one of the things that he said that to me was a home run is when it comes to dreaming big dreams, we need to redefine big. Yes. And that's that's kind of, I think, what you're getting at yep. is when I – I'll be honest. When I started the week and I thought big dreams, it was me at the center. Mm-hmm. I'm just being straight up with mm-hmm. you. Like I was thinking, all right, how do I get me on a platform? How do I get me in a room with thousands of people? Which is stupid. I'm just going to admit <laughs> that to you. But that's kind of what first jumped into my brain was – but then I think he's right. We got to redefine big. If you're at the center of your big dream, you're not dreaming a God dream. That's you're right. Dreaming a you dream. Right. And so it was like, okay, all right. So what? What's so? I think he even said, "What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think big dream?" Yeah. And so that that to me, that whole idea of is it your dream or God's dream? Is it you know something that you you're at the center of, or is God at the center of it? And uh, I asked Neil Cole. I said in our in the Pre, uh, pre-conference movement session, I said, uh, what sounds like what you're saying is, is that eventually if we're, if we're part of a movement, we eventually won't be around anymore. We'll just movement our way out of our existence. He said, well, you know, you're not going to be around one day. Like you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. one out of every one person dies. And I was like, you know, it is a good point. Yeah. Uh, and we have to be willing 
to dream big dreams where we're not at the center of it. And so that that was one of the things that Francis Chan said that that was a home run for yeah. me. Uh, so you let's keep going. Yeah, you, your turn. I, oh, I'll, there I'll there, there were a lot. It. He he closed out the whole conference on Thursday, and and Chan is always good. He is a. Uh, he he's one of these guys that I don't know if I would call him a prophet, a great speaker in the <laughs> classic sense. Yeah. In that he just unpacks a text. Yeah. His, his the way Chan communicates is his passion is so uh, infectious and contagious and authentic and authentic. Is he's the real deal? I mean, this is a guy that left Cornerstone Church in Simi Valley, California. Uh, you know, which grew from 16 in his living room to 84 to, million. Yeah, yeah, to <laughs> thousands, literally thousands <laughs> right, of people. Right. And he walked away from all of that to go to, well, started out in downtown LA and then I think he's in San Francisco, San Francisco. now. And uh, to do kind of a house church movement to get back to making disciples and that everything they did centers around God's word and worship and, and disciples kind of becoming disciple makers uh, without all the extra stuff that comes with a uh, large you know kind of, of church gathering and so so that right there just gives him credibility and authenticity in my book that you know is a cut above so many people and so so his, his whole conversation about redefining the word big mm. he also said we need to redefine uh, the, the phrase what works and mm. just because it works doesn't necessarily mean that it's from God. Wow. And just because it works and and many people are attracted to it doesn't mean that we're doing what God calls us to do. Joel Osteen. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. I, got, I got a little something stuck in my throat. That's so. right. And he said sometimes <laughs> we're we are too afraid to call people to the commitment level that God is calling them to. Mm. Uh, because it, it's too challenging, and you know, to to tell people, hey, God, Jesus said to take up your cross, your cross, and follow me mm. uh, daily. Um, he didn't say, you know, plan a big church and make lots of money and mm -hmm. and make it all about you. Uh, he said, go and make disciples of all peoples, mm. uh, baptize them, teach them. Uh, it, I mean, just it, it was just incredible. Uh, listening him to him speak, knowing where he was, what he left behind, mm -hmm. and what he's doing now, and, and hearing him unpack and describe what they're doing in San Francisco and and their gatherings and and it, it, you know, just some of those moments just seems like you know Holy Spirit just coming and sitting right mm -hmm. in the room with them. Um, I, I man, I, it was just just amazing, and uh, and so we're always kind of evaluating as well. Okay. Does this work? You know, if it works, is it of God? Is it not of God? And and I, that was one of the big things, you know, from him as well. I, yeah. I just wanted to go away and be by myself oh, after he you. spoke yeah. and just process. Yes, yeah. he he said a couple things. I mean, I walked away thinking, apart from me, you can do nothing. Yeah. Like, We've got to get where we're like, okay, if we don't have Jesus, if Jesus is at the center, if we're not empowered by the Spirit, what are we doing? Like, it's yeah. ridiculous. And so. He said, what if we stripped away and we experienced more? Yeah. What if we stripped away stuff? What if we got rid of things? What if we brought it down and we experienced more? Yeah. In our reducing, it was actually more. Yeah. Uh, just 
yeah, so good. I I just I, I was I felt the same way you did, and it and it wasn't it wasn't that it was all that profound right. or all that. It was definitely not expository, but it was. Uh, it just it was powerful because I think it comes from an authentic place of He's a guy it. of a guy who, like he said one point, like he read the Bible. And, and he's like, we're not experiencing this. And yeah. he went to his elders and said, I, I'm not explaining the Bible away anymore. Yeah. We need to experience this if it's yeah. here. So we need to pray about this. And yeah. I mean, just that honesty of just even taking his theological assumptions and theological boxes that he put the Bible in and, and just saying, if it's in here, I want it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was just, yeah, it was inspiring. It was encouraging. It was convicting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's great. I, I've been reading uh, Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard, and one of the things he said early on in the book, he said uh, so many people, he does not see the gospel giving life to people. Mm. Um, and, you know, and, and he, he talks a lot about, you know, this question, you know, asking what would Jesus do in a moment to try and figure out, you know, how Jesus would want them to respond in the moment. He said, if we're waiting to ask what would Jesus do when we're in the moment, we're probably going to get it wrong. Mm. Uh, he said, that's better than nothing. But, you know, when, when Jesus acted, when Jesus responded, it was an outflow uh, of that daily walking with the Father, not doing anything unless the Father told him to. Yeah. And he said when Jesus calls us to follow him, that's what he's calling us to, is that yeah. daily disciplined life uh, of prayer and communion and, and following mm. following him. And, uh, and, and so he asked the question, you know, is what we're doing really giving life to people yeah. to where – where they don't have to ask the question, what would Jesus do in those moments? They know what Jesus do because they've been walking with him. Right. And, and, and I watched Francis Chan as he was talking, and then I read this in the book, and I thought, I thought Chan's figured out what Willard was talking about mm. in, in that book. Um, and, and he stripped away all the stuff to, to get back to the heart of what God had called him to. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I, man, I tell you, I, I you know, we bought the all access digital pass there, and so um, you know we're gonna find a way for you guys to hear this sermon. Yeah, everybody needs to and hear. It. I just want to say, you know, thanks to Arkansas Baptist, thanks to Tim Wicker, team leader yep. Sonny Tucker, all the all the folks that enabled us to be able to go because yeah. it was it was a big it was a big deal, you know, yeah. to be able to go and do all that, and it was. It was a great experience. It was good being with all the guys and just experiencing it all together. I think there's going to be a lot of fruit that comes from this. Yeah, so. I do too. And so. you guys need to go to YouTube and search for <laughs> Eric Bramlett yeah. introducing Francis Chan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's done this several times, but each one's amazing. Worth the price of admission. So funny. So funny. Yeah. Uh, okay. So so there's kind of highlights from the main sessions. We want to touch on breakouts real quick that really impacted us. And then we'll wrap up. And so uh, uh, I'll go first on this. And the breakout that really uh, struck a chord with me was a guy named Brian Sanders. And the title of his breakout was Imagination in Mission. And uh, Brian Sanders leads a, a, a network of micro churches in Tampa, Florida called the Tampa Underground. And um, just I, I can't tell you how how much this session impacted me. Uh, I'm still processing after, uh, after a week uh, of chewing on this a little bit. And, and he really highlighted several things that um, 
uh, kind of captured my attention. He, he talked about six kind of provocative statements that he wanted to make, and and then you know we'd talk, and and these are some of those statements. You know, imagination uh, is the currency of the creator economy, and he talked about how in the the West we've moved from a, uh, a producer economy. You know, production of goods was the goal, and as a shortage of goods back in the early part of the 20th century, and so we had to produce, produce. Uh, and then we had enough during the world wars and all that stuff. And then we had enough goods, so we had to consume. So we shifted to a consumerist economy, and that's kind of where we've been, you know, for a while. And he said, but since 2007, there's a guy named Paul Sappho who is a futurist that kind of set November 7, 2007, when the stock market crashed as the date where we shifted from a consumerist economy to a creator economy. Hmm. And we see this particularly among the millennial generation who, who don't want to just sit in a church and consume. They want to create. They want to be a part of having an impact on the community, an impact on the world. Uh, and he said, we've got to have some imagination and mission to figure out how to unleash them uh, to the dreams that God's calling them to. Um, he talks about imagination releasing us from a culture of competition. And, uh, and, and he talked about, he used some business marketing analogies, blue ocean versus red ocean strategies. Uh, red ocean is kind of blood in the water. It's where everybody's competing, trying to capture that market share. Blue ocean is where nobody's going and it's wide open. There's no competition and you can have huge impact in the market space if you go that route. He also used another analogy of positive and negative spaces in art. He says, when you look at a piece of art, typically we just see the picture that was painted on the canvas. He said, but there's another space uh, uh, that's going on around that, that's white space that we call negative space. And he said, to translate that in the context of, of the church world, is we have all these negative spaces in our community where the church is not engaging. And he said, if we will make it our mission to engage those negative spaces, then there's no competition with other churches. For example, he said in Tampa, Florida, that they have the, the largest uh, number of strip clubs per capita of oh, any wow. other place in the U.S. And he said, and this is a statement that really captured me, and, and I think we could, plot, could apply this to several aspects of our communities he said it was as if the church and the devil drew a line in the sand and the church says okay devil you can have those people hmm. he said because the best we could tell there was no engagement from the church whatsoever into those strip clubs for obvious reasons <laughs> for good reasons you know for obvious reasons <laughs> there's not many more challenging environments than that right. he said but he said we had to ask the question does jesus care about yeah. those ladies and those right. men and those environments and we had to say yes so are we going to let the devil have them or are we going to wade into that negative space mm. and he said we had some ladies that chose to wade into that negative space mm. and he said we're seeing uh person after person after person come to christ because some people waded in to the lives of these ladies and these men uh that they they never had before mm. and and he said we have several micro churches that are made up of former strippers uh in tampa and and, and i mean just group after group after group uh, throughout Tampa that they're engaging. And, and he said, you're not going to get any pushback from other churches for waiting into those environments. And, and I tell you, that, that whole conversation about the positive and negative spaces 
have, that's the one thing. And then I went right from that breakout into, you know, Francis Chan, you know, <laughs> later, and then hearing what yeah. he said. And so my the end of the week was just – I was just a mess trying to process all that and thinking about Arkansas, thinking about the people in Arkansas – where it seems we've drawn a line in the sand and say, okay, devil, you can just have those folks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, could not sleep after mm. that. And so my mind has just been reeling, thinking about the negative spaces in Arkansas. You're going to hear more about this conversation, yeah. and we're going to try as, as a church planning team of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention to figure out where most of those negative spaces are and how we can wade in, uh, because I'm just not content to let devil have those folks. Yeah. Yeah. And there's more. I could go on and on about this breakout, but we're going to wrap up. Chad, talk about yours and man. To be honest with you, I don't have, <laughs> I don't have much of uh, much of anything to talk about with the breakouts. <laughs> I did, I did go to Brad Briscoe's uh, breakout on Bible church planting. Yeah, I thought that was really good. What he's got coming down the pipe with the North American Mission Board and one of his pastors and what they're doing in Kansas City. It's pretty incredible. Uh, talk about those those negative spaces. They're yeah. really engaging, yeah. uh, which I thought was really neat. Um, so, you know, I, I just I'm looking forward to seeing kind of Nam's Brad Brad Nam's strategy around Bavo guys, and because some of the stuff that he's talking about doing in the training is really good. So all I would say is I think that's supposed to come out in August. So yeah. I'll look forward to that. If you're a Bavo guy or no, or you're a guy who's interested in Bavo church planting. That would be a great resource, but yeah, uh, that's about all I got. Yeah. Took away from those. Uh, got a, like I said, got a couple of good naps. But yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and on that Bivo note, uh, talked to Brad just a couple of days ago, and he's finalizing kind of the first third of that Bivo training sessions, and so we're actually going to try and pilot a group here in Arkansas yeah. with that material. And uh, the the early stuff I've seen is fantastic, uh, yeah. so good, and uh, I'm really excited that we're going to get a chance to to kind of help him think through some of that stuff. And and I think and even so. the, the the media like it's it's an online deal, yeah. so it's like a, the guy can work at it through through his own pace. Yes, work through it at his own pace, and uh, so there's a lot of they've even thought through how they're delivering it yeah. for Bivo guys, which yeah. is really good. So. Uh, pretty pretty cool stuff. Look yeah. forward to that. Man. Yeah, it's gonna be that's gonna be great. Yep. Well, guys, we there are several other things we could talk about, and there there were a lot of stuff. Some of the other guys, uh, we may get some nuggets from our other guys to kind of share with you, sprinkled in through the upcoming podcast. Uh, but you'll be seeing some some articles and some resources coming down the pike uh, that would be. Uh, outpouring of what we experienced at exponential and so if you've never gone uh orlando's not a not a cheap trip you know obviously uh from arkansas <laughs> yeah but uh Here, here's a couple of things dave that we could take away from that number one don't rent a car off-site of the airport <laughs> that's right. okay that's that, right that's gonna get you every time just yeah. fyi yeah Ended up paying double what i'd hope to pay or what i thought i was paying right. because of that right uh the shuttle service was terrible yeah and, could go on and on. Yeah. The second thing is, is you got to bring cash because there's toll booths and they only Everywhere. take cash. Everywhere. And uh, so we did use the no tolls in our maps, but uh, there were a couple times that guys I was hosting on the trip had to pay the tolls because yeah. I don't carry cash. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, you know, just 
if you're visiting Orlando, FYI, yeah. Yeah. those couple of things will keep you out of trouble. Well, and the one outside of the airport is coins only. And so uh, yeah. uh, that's oh, another thing to think of. So yeah. if you're traveling to Orlando, just word to the wise. Yes. Uh, toll booths are everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, yeah, it, you know, it was a, there were several things about the trip, you know, that were kind of a comedy of errors. And mm. uh, um, so I learned also that uh, <laughs> uh, Mustangs were not built for a guy like me. I'm too yeah. tall and too fat to drive a Mustang. <laughs> and uh, that was our car for the week. It, it looked cool. Uh, but I had to, to kind of cram myself in and wedge myself out uh, every time we got yeah. in and out of that thing. Yeah. So I know I'll hey, never own a Mustang. My uh, Volkswagen Passat was amazing. Yeah, so yeah. we, we yeah, enjoyed that. Yeah. The only thing I would say is I found out it had a sport mode on Wednesday night. Uh-huh. So I only got to drive it like one day in sport mode. Oh, man. Or I would have driven the whole week in sport <laughs> mode. Yeah. It's like, man, I got the extra insurance on this thing. Do what Jeff Foxworthy said. It's about to see more airtime than a skateboard at the X Games. <laughs> Uh, those yeah. so watching y'all crawl in and out of those Mustangs is pretty funny. Oh gosh. Tim, Tim and them uh, actually got a Nissan Altima, and you won't believe, but Roger Gaunt, who's a guy on our team, he said, "Now, guys, let me tell you, those Nissan Altimas—that's about the nicest car I've ever seen." <laughs> Dude, we laughed so hard. I'm like, Roger, you need to up your uh, you need to up your standards as far as vehicle choices. That's Nissan right. Ultima is the the pinnacle for you. So. That's right. That's right. It was a good time. Oh, gotta love it. Gotta love it. Well, guys, there's just a few of our thoughts for this special edition podcast. We'll uh, pick back up. I think our next episode is going to be with uh, Nathan James and Grant Harrison from Epic Church in Little Rock and kind of talk about their 10-year journey uh, in church planning. They're veterans now, and so I'm anxious to, to hear from them. They'll have a lot to say. And uh, we've also got um, hoping to get Wade Burnett on here uh, sometime in the next few episodes, uh, Matt Hess from Toronto, George Ross from uh, New Orleans. So some, some fun stuff coming up, exciting stuff coming up. And uh, so thank you guys and gals so much for listening to us. Uh, hanging with our mediocrity you know check us out on facebook twitter uh instagram uh you know check the podcast out on itunes write us a review uh we've we've uh, gotten several reviews which has been really helpful we're kind of moving up the ranks on itunes uh, which makes our podcast uh easier to search and find Mm. and so uh thank you for that and uh, we've got a, a mug and a a book for you if you'll do that for us yeah. and so uh, we appreciate you guys on that uh, check out SoundCloud Google Play Stitcher all those outlets and uh, once again we just thank you guys so much for, for supporting us uh, we have a lot of fun with this and hope you're enjoying it and uh, we will catch you guys next time keep grinding adios <laughs>